Hey boys, so I made it to Hyderabad and I was enjoying getting to talk to you guys on the phone last night and slept well and so now it's time for the next story and the next chapter is called The West Begins. Early the next morning, they all were in the wagon again. It had not been unloaded, so everything was ready to go. Nothing was left of the camp but Aunt Dorcia's shanty. Over the worn-out grass and the dead spots where shanties had been, surveyors were measuring and driving stakes for a new town that would be built. We'll be along soon as High gets his business settled, Aunt Dosia said. I'll see you at Silver Lake, Lena called to Laura while Pa shirruped the horses and and wheels began to turn. The sun shone brightly on the uncovered wagon, but the wind was cool and riding was pleasant. Here and there men were working in the fields, and now and then a team and wagon passed. Soon the road curved downward through rolling land, and Pa said, The big Sioux River's ahead. Laura began to see out loud for Mary. The road's going down the low the low bank to the river, but there aren't any trees. There's just big sky and grassland and the little low creek. It's a big river sometimes, but now it's dried up till it's no bigger than Plum Creek. It trickles along from pool to pool by dry gravel stretches and cracked dry mud flats. Now the horses are stopping to drink. Drink hearty, Pa said to the horses. There's no more water for thirty miles. Beyond the low river, the grassy land was low, curve behind curve. The road looked like a short hook. The road pushes against the grasslands and breaks off short, and that's the end of it, said Laura. It can't be, Mary objected. The road goes all the way to Silver Lake. I know it does, Laura answered. Well, then, I don't think you ought to say things like that, Mary told her gently. You should always be careful to ex say exactly what you mean. I was saying what I meant, Laura protested, but she could not explain. There were so many ways of seeing things and so many ways of saying them. Beyond the big Sioux, there was no more fields, no houses, no people in sight. There really was no road only a dim wagon trail, and no railroad grade. Here and there, Laura glimpsed a little wooden stake almost hidden in the grasses. Pa said they were surveyors' stakes for the railroad, for the railroad grade that was not yet started. Laura said to Mary, This prairie is like an enormous meadow, stretching far away in every direction to the very edge of the world. The endless waves of flowery grasses under the cloudless sky gave her a weird feeling. She could not say how she felt. All of them in the wagon, and the wagon, and the team, and even Pa seemed small. All morning, Pa drove steadily along the dim wagon track, and nothing changed. The further they went into the west, the smaller they seemed, and the less they seemed to be going anywhere. The wind blew, and grasses always with 
uh, the wind blew the grasses the grass always with the same ending ripple endless rippling the horse's feet and wheels going over the grass made always the same sound the jigging of the board seat was always the same jigging laura thought they might go on forever yet always to be in the same changeless place that would not that would not even know they were there only the sun moved without it without ever seeming to the sun moved steadily upward into the sky when it was overhead they stopped to feed the horses and to eat a picnic lunch on the clean grass it was good to rest on the ground after riding all morning laura thought of many times they seem they've had eaten under the sky while they were traveling all the way from wisconsin to indian territory and back again to minnesota now they were going in dakota territory going farther west but this was different from all the other times not only because there was no cover on the wagon and no beds in it but some but some other reason laura couldn't say how but this prairie was different pa she asked when you find the homestead will you will it be like the one we had in indian territory pa thought before he answered no he said finally this is different country i can't tell you how exactly but this prairie is different it feels different that's likely enough ma said sensibly we're west of minnesota and north of indian territory so naturally the flowers and grasses are not the same but that's not what pa and laura meant there was really almost no difference in the flowers and grasses but there was something else here that was not anywhere else it was an enormous stillness that made you feel feel still and when you were still you could feel great stillness coming closer all the little sounds of the blowing grasses and of the horses munching and whooshing their in their feed box at the back of the wagon even the sound of eating and talking could not touch the enormous silence of the prairie pa talked about his new job he could be the company storekeeper and the timekeeper at silver lake camp he would run the store and would keep straight in his books every charge account every man on the job and know exactly how much money was due each man for his work after his board bill and his account at the store had been subtracted and when the paymaster brought the money each payday pa would pay every man that was all he had to do for that he would be paid fifty dollars every month and best of all caroline we're among the very first out here he said we we've got the pick of the land for our homestead by george our luck's turned at last first chance at new land and fifty dollars a month for the whole summer to boot that's wonderful charles said ma but their talking did not mean anything to the enormous silence of that prairie all that afternoon they went on mile after mile never seeing a house or any sign of people never seeing anything but grass and sky the trail they followed was marked only by bent and broken grasses 
Laura saw old Indian trails and buffalo paths worn deep into the ground and now grassed over. She saw strange, large depressions straight-sided straight and flat-bottomed. That had been buffalo wallows, where there was, where there, where now the grasses were growing. Laura had never seen a buffalo, and Pa said it was not likely that she would ever see one. Only a little while before, the vast herds of thousands of buffaloes had grazed all over this this country. They had been the Indians' cattle, and the white men had slaughtered them all. On every side, the prairie stretched away, empty and far, clear skyline. The wind never stopped blowing and waving the tall prairie grasses that had turned brown in the sun. And all the afternoon, while Pa kept driving onward, he was merely whistling and singing. The song he sang oftest, oftenest was, Oh, come to this country, don't you feel alarm, for Uncle Sam is rich enough to give us all a farm. Even Baby Grace joined into the chorus, although she did not bother to follow the tune. Oh, come away, come away, come away, I say. Oh, come away, come away, come away right here. Oh, come right away. Oh, come, oh, oh, come to this country and have no fear of harm. Our Uncle Sam is rich enough to give us all a farm. The sun was lowering in the west when a rider appeared on the prairie beyond the wagon. He came following behind, not very fast, but coming a little nearer mile after mile, while the sun was slowly sinking. How much farther is it to Silver Lakes, Charles? Ma asked. About ten miles, said Pa. There isn't anybody living near, is there? No, said Pa. Ma did not say anything more. Neither did anyone else. They kept glancing back at that rider behind them, and each time they looked, he was a little nearer. He was not—he was surely following them, and not meaning to overtake them until the sun sank. The sun was low that—so low that every hollow between the low prairie swells was filled with shadow. Each time that Pa glanced back, his hand made a little motion— slapping the horses with the lines to hurry them, but no team could pull a loaded wagon as fast as a man could ride. The man was so near now that Laura could see two pistols in leather holsters on his hips. His hat was pulled low over his eyes, and his red bandana was tied loosely around his neck. Pa had brought his gun west, but it was not in the wagon now. Laura wondered where it was, but she did not ask Pa. She looked back again and saw another rider coming on a white horse. He wore a red shirt, and he and the white horse were far behind and small, but they came fast, galloping. They overtook the first rider, and the two came on together. Ma said in a low voice, There's two of them now, Charles. Mary asked, frightened, What is it, Laura? What's the matter? Pa looked back quickly, and then he was comfortable. Everything's all right now, he said. That's Big Jerry. Who's Big Jerry? Ma asked. He's half French and Indian, Pa answered carelessly. A gambler and some say a horse thief, but a darn good fellow. Big Jerry won't let anyone waylay us. 
Ma looked at him, astonished. Her mouth opened, and then it shut, and she did not say anything. The riders came up beside the wagon, and Pa lifted his hand and said, Hello, Jerry. Hello, Ingalls, Big Jerry answered. The other men gave them all a snarling look and went galloping on ahead, but Big Jerry rode along by the wagon. He looked like an Indian. He was tall and big, but not one bit fat, and his thin face was brown. His shirt was flaming red, and his straight black hat swung against his flat, high-boned cheeks as he rode. For he wore... What? That doesn't make sense. Sorry. His straight black hair swung against his flat, high-boned cheeks as he rode, for he wore no hat, and there was... And his snow-white horse wore no saddle nor bridle. The horse was free. He could go where he wanted to go, and he wanted to go with Big Jerry, with wherever Big Jerry wanted to ride. The horse and the man moved together as if they were one animal. They were beside the wagon only a moment. Then they went in the smoothest, prettiest run down into a little hollow and up and away straight into the blazing round sun on the far edge of the west. The flaming red shirt and the white horse vanished in the blazing golden light. Laura let out a breath. Oh, Mary, the snow-white horse and the tall brown man with such a black head with bright red shirt. The brown prairie all around, and they rode right into the sun as it was going down. They'll go into the sun around the world. Mary thought for a moment. Then she said, Laura... You know that he couldn't ride into the sun, and he's just riding along the ground like anybody. But Laura did not feel that she had told a lie, and what she had said was true, too. Somehow, that moment when the beautiful free pony and the wild man rode into the sun would last forever. Ma still feared that the other man might be lying in wait to rob them, but Ba told her, Don't worry. Big Jerry's gone ahead. To find him and we'll stay with him till we get into camp. Jerry'll see that nobody molests us. Ma looked back to see that her girls were all right and she held Grace snugly on her lap. She did not say anything because nothing she could say would make any difference, but Laura knew that Ma had never wanted to leave Plum Creek and did not like to be here now. She did not like traveling in that lonely country with night coming on and such men riding on the prairie. The wind calls of the birds, the wild calls of the birds, came down from the fading sky. More and more dark lines streaked pale blue air overhead. Straight lines of wild ducks and long flying wedges of wild geese. The leaders called their, to their flocks behind them and each bird answered in turn. The whole sky twanged and honk, honk, and quank, quank, and quank. They're flying low, said Pa, settling down for the night on the lakes. There were lakes ahead. A thin silvery line at the very edge of the sky was Silver Lake, and little glimmers out of it were the twin lakes Henry and Thompson. A wee dark blob between them was the 
lone tree. Pa said it was a big cottonwood, the only tree to be seen between Sioux River and the gym. It grew on a little rise of ground no wider than the road between Twin Lakes, and it, could, and it grew big because its roots could reach water. We'll get some seeds from it and plant on our homestead, said Pa. You can't see Spirit Lake from here. It's nine miles northwest of Silver Lake. You see, Caroline, what fine hunting country this is? Plenty of water and good feeding ground for wildfowl. Yes, Charles, I see, said Ma. The sun sank in the ball of pulsing light. It sank in the clouds of crimson and silver. Cold purple shadows rose in the east and crept slowly across the prairie, then rose in heights on heights of darkness, from which the stars swung low and bright. The wind, which all day long had blown strongly, dropped low with the sun and went whispering among the tall grasses. The earth seemed to lie breathing softly under the summer night. Pa drove on and on beneath the low stars, and the horse's feet went softly thump-thumping on the grassy ground. Far, far ahead, a few tiny lights pricked through the dark, and they were the lights of Silver Lake Camp. Don't need to see the trail for the next eight miles, Pa told Ma. All a man's got to do is keep driving towards the lights. There's nothing between us and the camp but smooth prairie and air. Laura was tired and chilly. The lights were far away. They might be stars after all. The whole night was glittering of stars. Close overhead and down on all sides, great stars glittered in the patterns on the dark. The tall grass rustled against the turning wagon wheels. It kept on rustling and rustling against the wheels that kept on turning. Suddenly, Laura's eyes jerked open. There was an open doorway and light streamed out, and in it, the dazzle of lamplight, Uncle Henry, was coming laughing. So this must be Uncle Henry's house in the big woods when Laura was little for that was where Uncle Henry was. Henry, Ma exclaimed. It's a surprise, Caroline, Pa sang out. I thought I wouldn't tell you that Henry's out here. I declare, takes my breath. I'm so surprised, said Ma. Then a big man was laughing up at them. He was Cousin Charlie. He was the big boy who had bothered Uncle Henry and Pa in the oat field and had been stung by a thousand yellow jackets. Hello, half pint, hello, Mary, and hello, this must be baby Carrie, a big girl now. Not the baby any longer, huh? Cousin Charlie helped them down from the wagon while Uncle Harry took Grace and Pa Pa helped Ma over the wheel. Here in and here came cousin Louisa, bustling and talking and herding them into the shanty. Cousin Louisa and Charlie were both grown up now. They were keeping the board, boarding shanty and cooking for the men who were working on the grade. But the men had eaten supper long ago, and now they were all sleeping in the bunkhouse. Cousin Louisa talked about 
All this while she was dishing up the supper she had been keeping hot on the stove. After supper, Uncle Henry lighted a lantern and led the way to a shanty the men had built for Pa. It's all new lumber, Caroline, fresh and clean as a whistle, Uncle Henry said, holding up the lantern so that they could see the new board walls and the bunks built up against them. There was a bunk on one side for Ma and Pa, and on the other side, two narrow bunks, one above the other, for Mary and Laura, Carrie and Grace. The bunk, the beds were already spread in the bunks. Cousin Louisa had seen to that. In no time at all, Laura and Mary were cuddling on the rustling fresh hay mattress, with the sheets and quilts drawn up to their noses, and Pa blew out the lantern. So the next chapter is called Silver Lake. Good night, boys. I love you so much.